Hi, welcome to the Art and Science of Learning, the podcast that digs deeper in how we learn, so that in today's accelerated world, we can learn better and enjoy it more. I'm your host, learning specialist, Dr. Kinga Petrovai. Every week, I discuss aspects of learning with academics, practitioners, and individuals with unique learning journeys to inform and inspire how you design learning into work and life. Heidi Bernhardt is the founder of the Centre for ADHD Awareness Canada, a charity dedicated to awareness, education, and advocacy for ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. There are many misconceptions on what ADHD is and particularly how it impacts adults in the workplace, which is why this is an important conversation in which Heidi highlights some of the often overlooked signs of ADHD and possible ways of addressing them. For the past 30 years, Heidi has made it her mission to raise awareness and understanding on all aspects of ADHD and how it impacts people in all stages of life. Heidi Bernhardt is a psychiatric nurse by training and the mother to three grown sons with ADHD who inspired her to build the Centre for ADHD Awareness Canada. Prior to building the Centre, Heidi was the Executive Director for the Canadian ADHD Resource Alliance, a national not-for-profit organization of leading clinicians and researchers in ADHD. During her time as Executive Director, she built the Centre for ADHD Awareness Canada in her volunteer life and nationally incorporated it as a not-for-profit in 2006, becoming the Executive Director and President from 2012 to 2019. Heidi currently focuses on ADHD education material and systematic advocacy while holding the role of Director of Education and Advocacy. She also continues to teach and present on ADHD. Thank you so much, Heidi, for joining me on the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for your interest in the topic. Well, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to talk to you about this because it is a topic that is so important and it's often thought about mainly for children and um, and often it's it's very misunderstood on what ADHD is but a lot of people are suffering often not even understanding and struggling to do what they want and to achieve what they want so it's such an important topic and I'm so happy that we're here to discuss it and look at more of the adult perspective on how it presents in adults and how it impacts workplace relationships and life in general. Before we begin, can you just give me a short overview of what ADHD is for anyone who may not be familiar with what that means? Sure. So ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, which is a bit of a misleading <laughs> name. Um, because you don't actually have to have the hyperactivity component. So ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder. What that means is we see it early in childhood in the early developmental phases, but it is a lifelong disorder. A new study just came out. We used to think that about two thirds of children still had uh, impairing ADHD symptoms in adulthood. The latest study says it's actually around 90% because when they followed some, it's called an MTA study, but when they followed children longer, what came out was that in adulthood, people sort of ebbed and flowed with the seriousness of their symptoms, depending on the situation they were in, which is what we also see with children. So 
when you put a child or an adult in a situation where their weaknesses are more challenged, right? Mm. So uh, we've seen this in COVID. So when people had to move away from their structured workplace, a schedule, a quiet workplace, possibly an admin assistant, whatever, a lot of people started struggling and saying, Mm. gosh, you know, looked into it. And we've actually had a whole bunch of people contacting us saying, oh my gosh, you know, I'm questioning this. I I need to to look into this. So the key symptoms, what the DSM talks about, DSM is Diagnostic Statistical Manual, which we're on the fifth um, edition. It's sort of the Bible of the mental health professionals on how to assess and diagnose. It lists three core symptoms. So it says inattention, hyperactivity and impulsivity. But inattention is also confusing to a lot of people because those with ADHD can hyperfocus as much as they underfocus. They have difficulty prioritizing their focus in that the ADHD brain is drawn to the interesting stimulating thing, not necessarily the important thing. And they have difficulty switching focus, especially when they're hyperfocusing on something that they find very interesting or stimulating, that kind of thing. So it's actually attention dysregulation, impairment in regulating your attention. That is a hallmark of ADHD. There's three presentations, uh, what we call the primarily inattentive, which people used to call ADD. We don't use that term medically anymore, but that's the attention dysregulation without hyperactivity impulsivity. There's a combined type with all three. And there's a very, very rare type called primarily hyperactive, which we really don't talk about. It's so rare. Medical professionals who have worked in this field for decades say they've never seen it. So so it's not something we talk about um, a lot, but that's the hallmark. But those with ADHD most often are also impaired in what we call um, executive functioning which are things like organization, time management, problem solving, hindsight, foresight, making decisions, you know, that kind of thing. And also something very important called working memory, which we use almost every second of every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are often also impaired in what we call self-regulation. Well, that's sort of the hallmark of ADHD, but also emotional regulation. So we see uh, children and adults with ADHD reacting very strongly emotionally, sometimes inappropriately, or what other people consider out of proportion. But we also know people with ADHD tend to, we say, feel very strongly, right? And when they have these strong feelings, they react on those. And unfortunately, uh, habition is not always a strength of those with ADHD. So we see, you know, meltdowns for kids, but even in adults, we see them losing it, yelling at their spouse, yelling at their kids, Hmm. having very low frustration tolerance, and then not being able to deal with that frustration. That's really interesting. And without having the education and the awareness of what the symptoms are and what they mean, they're not really symptoms that you would necessarily connect you wouldn't necessarily oh. make the connection. and Yeah, exactly. Because we have so much misinformation in the media. And I mean, mm-hmm. even if you go online, there's all kinds of 
garbage there, actually. Okay. You have to be careful, right? That what you're looking at is, um, you know, legitimate medical website. And that's why on the CADAF website, Center for ADHD Awareness Canada, everything is backed by mm -hmm. scientific research. And we cite our, all our policy papers, um, all that kind of stuff. But, but yes, so people have this misconception that ADHD is just hyperactive little boys running around a classroom who need to be disciplined. It is far, far, far more complex than that. It impacts every aspect of somebody's life, even if they don't know it. So we see a lot of adults losing one job after another. Um, you know, they're on their second or third relationship. They're declaring bankruptcy. They're spinning their wheels. They're putting in so much effort often far more effort than the person without ADHD and they're struggling. They're not getting ahead at work. Uh, people are seeing them, you know, interpreting that they're rude or lazy or all these false labels mm -hmm. adults with ADHD get, and they don't understand it. They don't know what's, what's going on. Yeah. Um, and they have very little, little insight often into their own functioning mm -hmm, mm -hmm. though a lot of times it's everybody else's fault right it's you know in a relationship well if only you wouldn't nag me and leave me alone even if i've forgotten to put the garbage out 10 times in a row right it's your issue you're the <laughs> nag just calm down we hear this all the time in relationships so yes, they they don't get it because there isn't a lot of awareness and understanding. Mm. Yes, absolutely. ADHD and and what it really is, even in the medical professionals. Yeah, and I would imagine, I mean, you've described so many different uh, aspects there, but I would imagine that also there are individuals, and I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later, there are individuals who don't appear to have any problems whatsoever. And their life seems to be extremely successful. They seem to have it all together. And yet the struggle inside that it takes uh, for them to have those accomplishments is, is absolutely astronomical and, and they're struggling. Other people around them may not completely not notice at all. Well, actually that's usually not true. So, okay. So yes, you are very true in the first part that you said. Adults with ADHD can be very successful in their careers. So mm -hmm. we call it silos of excellence. Right. So um, they and, you know, they may have PhDs. They may, I mean, ADHD does not impact intelligence at all. So those with ADHD are anywhere on the spectrum, just like anybody else. Uh, especially if their job fits well with their strength profile. But if you speak to their administrative assistant mm -hmm. or their boss who is waiting for paperwork that is three months late mm. or their spouse or partner at home who yeah. said, oh my gosh, you didn't pay that bill again and you forgot your doctor's appointment and right. So yes, from the outside looking in by somebody who doesn't live and deal with this person on a daily basis, yes, everything looks great. But there's cracks that are showing in different close exactly. relationships. So those executive functioning things, that organization, that forgetfulness and procrastination mm -hmm. is also a big part of, 
of ADHD. So that's why when we do an assessment, we also get either a parent, a significant other, a really close friend to also Hmm. fill out the rating scales. Interesting. Because remember I said, adults with ADHD often don't have a great lot of insight in how they are functioning on a daily basis and where they're dropping the ball. But yes, you are also correct that uh, a lot of times uh, adults with ADHD do well because they put in 150% or 200%. (laughs) So a lot of times these are the people who are staying late at work to catch up or they didn't get that report done. So they're working all weekend on it because they can't time manage. Something else has caught their attention. They've gone off on a tangent, you know, and sometimes it's great what that tangent actually produces, but their report's late or this is right, you know. So uh, yes, they're really, really struggling. And then the other thing with that executive functioning in children and adolescents, they have scaffolding, they have parents, they have teachers, they have coaches, whatever, who help to prop them up. Once you get to an adulthood, that scaffolding goes away. Plus, you are now dealing with work, sometimes school, sometimes parenting, running yes. a household, you know, buying food, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you've got far, far more on your executive functioning plate. Yes. And less support, right? That's when we start to very much see the cracks happening. Right. Oh my gosh, there's so much to get into, and uh, and definitely we're going to pick this apart a lot more because it is very complex, and and it brings to mind again how important it is in learning. I often say it's so important to understand yourself first and be able to understand how you function and how how to manage your work and your and your way of learning but this just adds a completely new layer on top of it that is important to understand from the medical sphere as well on what it actually means so before we before we get into more of the details you as i said in the introduction you founded the center of adhd awareness canada so can you tell me how you came to found the center i know you were inspired by your sons but can you share your your story Yeah, so I have a background in psychiatric nursing. I have three sons and a husband with ADHD. It took us three and a half years and five medical professionals to have my oldest one diagnosed. So I don't know if people can understand what it is like to live in a household with three boys and a husband, all with ADHD, all undiagnosed. So it was rather much of a circus. yet they're also gifted, right? So they weren't failing at school. So this didn't stick out like a sore thumb. And my boys also have enough inhibitory skills that they were able to squash a lot of this at school and they would come through the door and kind of go kaboom, right? And usually at each other. So they weren't that classic, right, sort of ADHD that the educators pinpoint. And I think, you know, going back and talking to teachers they had now, they would would be totally shocked, right? Hmm. Yet um, their giftedness was also not pinpointed because of the ADHD. So they ended up very frustrated and, uh, you know, and not understanding exactly Hmm. what we talked about, not understanding 
what was um, going on. So by the time we got all of this uh, diagnosed, my oldest was 14 and a half, about half a year, year later, the youngest was diagnosed. And then probably half a year, year later, the, the middle one was diagnosed. And then of course, my my husband sort of had to learn through osmosis because of, <laughs> of what I do. But having that background in psychiatric nursing, I was searching for information, for support groups, for what do I do? How do I help my kids? What treatment is, is out there? You know what? And most of the medical books out there at the time, I mean, my kids now are in their early 40s and late 30s, right? So we're mm-hmm. talking a lot of years ago. Most of the information out there was for medical professionals. Now, I could read it because of my background, but oh my gosh, was it depressing, right? And then looking for support groups. So um, shortly after my oldest was diagnosed, uh, I did hook up with some parents in York Region who were developing a local support group, jumped on board with them and said, how can I help? You know, so so we ran that for a number of years and then uh, they kind of went their own ways and went back to their jobs. I ended up running that for a number of years on my own and quickly realized there was no national organization doing any awareness, any advocacy work, or any um, sort of large-scale education work on ADHD. So uh, founded Kadak, um, you know, with a few other interested parents, and that was in 2004, 2006, we incorporated nationally as a not-for-profit, and about two years ago, uh, we became a national charity. So we've grown an awful lot since, since then. So I, I also was executive director for CADRA, and CADRA is our sister organization of the leading medical professionals in ADHD in Canada. So while I was executive director for them, I built CADAC in my volunteer life. So grown phenomenally and the resources we have now are phenomenal. But but again, you, that's why this is a passionate of mine. So been Absolutely. there, done that, lived through it and hope that other parents don't. And, and adults, I mean, we also very much deal with adults with ADHD, don't have to go through those same struggles as we mm. do. Absolutely. That's wonderful. That's a really good, um, a really important thing to be able to offer that information and also the support that is needed so that people can understand how they're functioning a lot better and know how to how to manage it, uh, which is extremely important. What did you see? I mean, there are so many different ways that ADHD presents itself. But of course, you having your nurse uh, nursing background were more prepared to recognize this in your son. But what was it that really told you, no, I need to push the, the medical profession to diagnose find something because there's something going on. And that's the really interesting thing because nurses are not uh, trained or educated in ADHD. So no, I did not have her experience. And the psychiatric floor I worked on, um, no, actually, you know, I, I worked there for probably about two and a half years, but, you know, trained at Clark Institute, um, you know, which is part of CAMH or was back then. So no, ADHD was never talked about. So, and because my kids weren't failing at school, right? Mm. And as you say, 
ADHD is a very individualized disorder. We always say when you've seen one kid with ADHD, you've seen one kid with ADHD, the same as adults. So, and it also depends on what coexisting disorders they have. So my oldest son is more sort of the classic ADHD, a combined presentation thing. But again, uh, very, very bright, did very well in school. Uh, middle one, more the... Um, primarily inattentive ADHD along with anxiety and then later some depression. Youngest one, um, kind of a combination (laughs) of the older two uh, as well. But then actually, I also have a grandson with ADHD and autism. And the more I've learned about autism and supporting him and all that, and the other two, the middle and the youngest one say, hmm, we, we see some of those autism tendencies in ourselves as well, although they would not meet, probably meet the criteria um, mm-hmm. diagnosis. So all of these neurodevelopmental disorders, ADHD, autism, learning disabilities, and also my youngest had learning disabilities um, as well. So again, different profiles. So there was a lot of what we saw, a lot of upheaval, inconsistency in parenting. So I can remember having family meetings and setting up, you know, all the rules and the kids were on board. And usually within an hour or two, one of them was running to me saying, mom, dad's not following the rules. (laughs) This is why when we don't diagnose the adults along with the kids, we spin our wheels, right? Because we know consistent parenting is what we need to see, right? So constant upheaval, bickering and fighting with the kids, impulsive behaviors with, you know, and that lack of frustration control and all of that kind of stuff. That's what was impacting us, not school failure yet. They were fine. I mean, you know, AB students, but 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 also their giftedness was overshadowed. So they were also frustrated in that way because they weren't able to show how bright they actually were because the ADHD got in the way. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, so now let's talk a little bit about the adults and how ADHD presents itself in adults. And you've definitely described a lot of the different ways. And if I'm understanding it correctly, that the core of it is really the inability to control attention. So the same way as someone, if, if you can't control your arm, you want to reach out, but for some reason it's just not reaching out. Uh, so your intention of what you want to pay attention to, you're not able to really play that out the way that you want to. Is that correct? Manifests in different ways. Yeah, that's a very good uh, way of describing. But what makes it even more confusing is when these adults have an interest in something or find something very stimulating like social media and computer games or what their brains can lock in. Mm -hmm. Or if they're, I mean, you know, at work, if something interests them and they're researching it hours and hours can come by go by their mm-hmm. boss can be talking about I mean they're just zoned out mm-hmm. so other people look at this and they look at it themselves and they said but I can pay attention sometimes I can pay attention sometimes so much that I get so much work done and it's mm-hmm. phenomenal but if something catches my attention boom I'm gone down that rabbit hole mm-hmm. right 
Absolutely. And I'm wasting my time on something I shouldn't be doing. So the symptoms are hugely confusing yes. for them themselves and those around them, because to those around, it just looks like they're being lazy, mm-hmm. choosing not to do it right. when that's not the case at all. And then you throw in those other things like time management and organization and problem solving and it's their daily functioning is so much affected that yeah they're spinning the, they're just spinning their wheels hmm. at work and and at home so what what should the main symptoms be that an adult who has never been diagnosed but they're feeling frustration they're feeling things are more, more difficult than they would want them to be what should they be paying attention to? Yeah, so there's there's a list of what we call red flags mm-hmm. uh, on the website for adult ADHD. And we ask, you know, uh, medical professionals will be chatting with them, ask some questions like, are you often late for things, right? Uh, do you often forget what you're supposed to be doing? Do you have trouble getting work assignments done on time? Are your bills paid? How's your relationship? Are people, are friends or, you know, your significant other complaining that when they're talking to you, they lose you <laughs> and you're, you're gone, right? Which people will interpret that you're rude, right? You don't yes. care about them. You're unloving. All these kind of things. So there's all kinds of lists. I remember uh, a little while ago in the media, there was a story about a woman who really, because of COVID, left her job, had to, lost her job, was at home with the kids. And she always thought all of this disorganization and disarray and being late was just because she was so busy, busy mom, driving kids, doing work, you know, and she said, but now I'm at home doing nothing. I'm trying to bake bread like my friends and the bread keeps burning because (laughs) my mind is not focused and paying attention to what I should be doing. And then somebody sent her an article and she said, oh, my gosh, Hmm. this is me. Right. You know, all kinds of things. I mean, she said, who knew? Because the psychologist was talking to her. She said, who knew everybody didn't lose their debit card 10 times a year? (laughs) She thought that was normal. Right. That was normal functioning and that things were forgotten. Things were late being done. She had no patients with the kids things were frustrating uh, you know lashing out so again it's all kinds of symptoms and but but they don't look like a symptom of an illness they yes. look like the person just can't get it together right and exactly and often as you said she thought it's because she had a very busy job and family but suddenly the job was gone and the problems did not become any any easier and that's another thing is that when you have such busy lives and you're trying to do a lot there's a lot of different reasons why you can say well I'm struggling with this because there's so many things going on or this is particularly challenging and therefore I'm having trouble paying attention or whatever that might be there's a lot of reasons that can be attributed to mask problems that actually are signs of something else and could be helped if they were recognized yeah, and we still have a misinformation out there. And people say, well, I'm not hyperactive, so mm-hmm. I can't, that, that can't be me. Yes. Well, do they know that, you know, no, you don't have to have the hyperactivity. And it's actually the attention regulation that impairs people lifelong. Right. Not the other symptoms. The other symptoms are annoying, mm-hmm. right? And they can get them in, in trouble if they 
act impulsively, but that's not what's going to impair them in their workplace. Right. Interesting. And, and hyperactivity, as you said, is sometimes in, in young children, they're more present, hyperactivity is more present in boys as opposed to girls. And that also has led to a lot of uh, misdiagnosis in girls in, in a lot of different types of learning disabilities exactly. or learning. Well, and also, even if children are hyperactive in childhood, mm-hmm. very often when they go in through adolescence, that hyperactivity diminishes. So you don't see high school students running around the back of a classroom, right? Yes. They've learned how they, but adults and adolescents frequently talk about having that racing mind. Mm-hmm. So the hyper t- hyperactivity is internalized. They're never able to kind of slow down, shut off their mind. Uh, years ago, I had an adult explain it to me by saying, it's like having three conversations in your mind all the time, even when you're trying to sleep, right? Mm-hmm. So that's very often why we see the, the use or abuse of substances you know, that they shouldn't be taking, right? Because they want to calm that racing mm-hmm. mind and get the rest. Right, absolutely. So it, it presents itself differently, not only in different age groups, at different phases of life, but also in uh, males and females. But in, in adult men and women, is there a difference between how ADHD presents itself? Yeah, so very often when we talk about girls with ADHD, and again, remember, this is generalization. Of this course. Because individualized boys with primarily inattentive ADHD who present this way as well, but they will, you know, often be very quiet, kind of spaced out in the back of the class, sometimes misinterpreted as not being very bright when they could be brilliant. And we also know from studying some of this that girls very much or it's very important for them to fit in and be seen as being competent by their peers. So they will try very, very hard and put in all of that extra effort, you know, to get their, their schoolwork done. So you see them spending hours about, again, this is what we see in women, right? Mm -hmm. So, and when we don't diagnose ADHD, more so with females than males, but we also see this very much in males. We see anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. occurring. Recent Canadian study, one in four women with ADHD has attempted suicide. I mean, that is pretty significant and concerning, right? But the interesting thing is by the time we get to adulthood, the incident rates of male and female are almost 50-50. We're still diagnosing three boys to one girl. So why is that? It's because more often the male presentation is annoying. It's what gets noticeable attention, right? Mm -hmm. The girl is quiet. She wants to fit in. She's daydreamy. Mm -hmm. And again, we see that going on into adolescence and in adulthood. It's not that we don't see the hyperactivity. Sometimes it's more subtle, like, you know, knee shaking, hair twirling, that kind of stuff. Mm. Sometimes, even in adulthood, sometimes we can see a lot more activity in women with ADHD. Like, like some are quite hyper, right? But it, and a lot of times it's verbal pressure of speech, speaking very quickly, uh, interrupting others, um, you know, in conversations that 
kind of thing. But often in women, they internalize much more. So when they're struggling, they take it very much on onto themselves. What's wrong with me? Why can't I be a good mother? Why can't I get the, you know, permission slip to school on time? You know, why did I forget to go grocery shopping? Why am I losing my temper with my kids? And, and most often women are also the family organizers, right? And our society is still very judgmental of women if they can't do everything, right? Hmm. So women usually still, and unfortunately still more unbalanced, spend more time working and running the household. Yeah. It's a huge toll, right? So we have to get far better um, at educating even the ADHD experts on what women look like. And hormones actually play into it somewhat because very often that's when we pick up the girls. Uh, in puberty, when their hormones kick in, we start to see significant emotional dysregulation. These right. ups and downs, you know, the temper outbursts, the crying spells, the moodiness, mm -hmm. the, right? Um, and that's part of ADHD, but it tends to come out more so in girls present that and with hormones. We also see another huge blip through menopause and also through the monthly cycle. Interesting. So some women need to have their ADHD medications adjusted, uh, you know, just before their, their periods because the symptoms will flare up. So and um, symptoms in terms of emotional reaction, emotional, the extreme more, emotional reactions, or also more issues with paying attention, being right. focused, their ADHD mm -hmm. symptoms flare and get worse. So they need a somewhat higher dose of ADHD at that time of the month. So we need medical professionals who get this, who understand it too, right? And the other problem is women are far more often misdiagnosed with other disorder like anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. Family physicians are not trained in ADHD and especially adult ADHD. When they see a woman who can't focus, who is struggling, who is anxious, who down on herself, they will most often prescribe an antidepressant hmm. or an anti-anxiety. And we have women who say, I've been treated with this for decades, unsuccessfully, might've made my mood a little better, but I'm still struggling because the underlying ADHD that was in some cases fueling this anxiety and depression was never treated. Wow. So we're spending money, time treating, mistreating people with, you know, medications that are not dealing with their underlying ADHD. And you mentioned something earlier about learning about ADHD. That is a first step in treatment, learning about ADHD in general, and then learning how it impacts you. Right. Because then you can put, you can understand it and start putting in strategies. Absolutely. Really, really good. And so if someone's thinking, I mean, this talk about several of these issues, but you were talking about not misdiagnosing and being careful not to misdiagnose. So what are some things that someone should really look out for? They think, okay, maybe I have this, maybe this is what's impacting my life. They go to their GP. I'm assuming that's the first step to go to your GP. But what are some key steps that you would recommend for people to really 
I, I'd say even before they go to their GP, they get on the CADAC website. Okay. The CADA website is meant for medical professionals, but they will have rating scales that people mm-hmm. download with questions about, do you, you know, um, have issues with being late to things, you know, never once in a while, sometimes all the time, right? Mm-hmm. They can go through these things online. And what we find is when adults start reading these things, the light bulb moments start happening. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's why I do. Oh, that's, you mean that's not normal? <laughs> oh, you know, I do that all the time, right? So if they are informed about this before they go see the GP, they can mm-hmm. I've read this, I've researched this. Oh my gosh, this is me. And they can also give some thought as to their childhood because we don't diagnose adult ADHD unless we've seen the symptoms before 12, right? So ADHD is a hereditary disorder, right? Mm -hmm. Very high on the hereditary scale at the same level as height. So you know the chances of you've got tall parents that you've got, you're gonna have tall kids. ADHD is at that height. So some of the first questions, the family doctor or the family doctor will often refer them to somebody else if they can find somebody else, but this is a huge issue, lack of medical professionals. They will say, well, what were you like as a child? And sometimes adults don't remember that. So go back to your parents, see if they've got any of your old report cards. And there's really telling things. If your report card says, could do better if they just applied themselves, Uh (laughs) you know, and yeah, when you read these things, oh, you know, and parents will take that to heart and just say, well, you didn't apply yourself. There's nothing wrong with you, right? So they weren't diagnosed. So again, yeah, educate yourself, go see your family doctor or contact Kadak. We have lists of resources of medical professionals, but we got to tell you, especially these days, wait lists are horrendous. Physicians or some physicians are charging over provincial coverage. You can see a psychologist, but that can be thousands of dollars. Um, and then they can't prescribe medication and that's the route you want to go. So it, it's usually complex, but yeah. And of course, we're talking in the context of Canada because we're both in Canada, but uh, but I'm assuming this is probably quite similar to other parts of the world too, where, where it's it a is. challenge. Yeah. And in some parts of the world, far worse in Canada. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it depends on, on where you are. But yes, in Canada, we're sorry, it's easier for childhood ADHD because developmental pediatricians and child and adolescent psychiatrists have been trained in ADHD because we always thought it was a childhood disorder, right? Yes. It's only been the last, I'd say, couple of decades that the adult ADHD has come to the forefront. So even some adult psychiatrists have not been trained in adult ADHD. So we caution people to say, do your research before you go on a one to two year wait list to see an adult psychiatrist to make sure they are knowledgeable and have been trained in adult ADHD before you sit on that wait list. And that's not the right person to see. Mm, That's a good point to make sure that, that they have that training for adult specific ADHD, which is, which is really important. In terms of as an adult in the workplace, 
uh, you've mentioned some of the ways that it's that it can be clear that someone working closely with an adult who has ADHD, it can be clear, even though if they're very successful at work and in their career, there are signs. What are some of the key signs that maybe people should be aware of how this impacts them at work? I mean, you said timelines and, and procrastination. Yeah. So, you know, struggling to be able to focus and pay attention, mm-hmm. uh, especially in certain environments. So possibly if you're shut away in an office with a door closed without interruptions, you're okay. Mm-hmm. If the phone starts ringing, people start demanding things. If you're in one of those awful cubicles where there's 20 people around you and you're hearing, you know, typing and other people on the phone, you're going to have difficulty. Sometimes if you can hyper-focus, you can deal with that. But um, also when you're hyper-focusing, missing instructions from your boss or something a coworker has said, you know, being able to work on a team sometimes is a difficulty because you're going to have issues with your timeline, getting things done, misinterpreting instructions and what needs to be done is very common. People with ADHD have a have difficulty. If somebody's going to fire three or four things at you, you may have picked up the first one and then your attention's gone. And that's the short-term memory aspect, isn't it? Because yeah. you said it, it's well, an impact on the short-term memory. Is that what? Well, it's, no, it's actually working memory, not Sorry, working memory. memory. Yes. So working okay. memory is a little different. Working mm-hmm. memory actually is just split seconds and it's having the information in your brain and manipulating it. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So a way to think about it is like with computer files, your brain kind of has files. So if you got your computer open, you open numerous files, you're cutting and pasting from one to the other. You're, that's that's easy way to think about working memory, right? So, but we do this all day long, you know, mm-hmm. right? obviously we're not conscious of it, but if you're not good at it and it's if it's delayed, you can see where you're going to have gaps of information. You're going to forget things. Your information is going to be distorted, all of those kind of things. So it, a working memory also has a lot to do with decision making, self-regulation, emotional behavior. So it's right. all tied together. So those with ADHD can frequently also have issues with their supervisors and you know their co-workers because of that emotional dysregulation um, stuff also not paying attention when someone's speaking to you you know people interpret that as you're rude right you're weird like why are you pacing the wall the the floors right the halls the hyperactivity the restlessness there's reasons for all of this but other people look at it and go okay you know you're not getting your work done on time and the person could be brilliant and hugely talented in their field but something's going to trip them up Mm -hmm. we say paperwork is kryptonite very often for those with ADHD right so again a lot of red flag somebody who's not in an office setting you know it may be yes those instructions keeping them in order, what's got to be done one on top of the other, you know, sometimes, you know, certain tasks, some have to be done daily, some once a week, some once a month, you know, forgetting those, getting them confused, all of that kind of stuff 
we see frequently in all kinds of workplace. There's a lot of um, sort of red flags that this person's bright. They know the content, they, but something, something's wrong here. They, they're hmm. not able to produce what we expect them to be producing and the quality People with ADHD very often uh, are very good at, uh, are very bad at, I should say, picking up errors, editing their own work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Attention to detail is definitely an an issue, right? Mm -hmm. Again, it's it's handing in work that, you know, may be sloppy or not detailed, maybe great in content, doesn't look pretty. There's, there's, right? Uh, Again, phenomenal strategies. I've actually developed and it's on Kodak website, a chart on the um, DSM um, symptoms of ADHD, how those link to the different ways ADHD could present in a workplace mm-hmm. and then the appropriate accommodations and strategies. Right. So it's a chart, you can go down it, you can look at it and go, yeah, I do that. Oh, maybe this would help, right? And ADHD is recognized as a medical disorder, a disability by the Ontario Human Rights Commission. So people have a right to accommodations in the workplace. Wonderful. And so let's talk a little bit about that. And just, you've mentioned the Kadak website, which is in the show notes. So definitely people should take a look at that and your YouTube channel, which has a lot of resources. But can we talk about a few of the key I mean, you said it might be a long process to become diagnosed and then a long process to to go to a psychologist and figure out how to manage ADHD. But even before all that, what are some great accommodations that people can make for themselves and also ask for in the workplace that would make a big impact? Sure. Um, I mean, even on a daily schedule, I mean, having obviously an electronic reminder, great. And also developing a habit that as soon as somebody tells you something or asks for something or you boom it goes into the electronic reminder because they they don't work if you don't put things in them right (laughs) Right. and you know set those reminders all that kind of stuff so that's great for home life as as well as as workplace Um, sometimes it's as easy as being altered being able to alter your schedule somewhat. I've had adults say, part of my job, I really have to focus on this one thing and I can't do it in an office with 30 people and noise. Mm -hmm. And they go to their employer and they say, could I come in an hour earlier in the day or stay an hour later when everybody else is gone so I can have quiet time, right? To get this done. And they get, no, no, that's not our policy, right? And There's- open offices had must have had a massive impact on individuals with being able to pay attention when there's so many people around you constantly, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. You know, or, uh, you know, can I use this empty conference room mm-hmm. or, you know, these two hours a, a day or whatever to yes. get this done? If I'm taking, can, can I record our meetings? Mm-hmm. Because I can't take notes and stay focused on what people are saying at the same time, you know, and if you present these things to your employer as a win-win, you don't necessarily always have to go in and disclose I have ADHD, you have ADHD, Mm -hmm. but you can say, listen, 
This is the way I work best. I can be more productive. I can remember things, whatever, if I'm allowed to record meetings. If, you know, things like my two coffee break, my two 15-minute coffee breaks and my half-hour lunch, can I combine them in an hour lunch so I can go outside and walk or go down to the gym and do the treadmill because with the hyperactivity, that will help them focus more in the afternoon, right? If they get that out of their system. Things like being able to wear headphones and listen to, you know, simple music when they're working, Mm -hmm. because then they can shut out what's going on around them. Things like uh, I will check my email. I will have a reminder on my watch pop up every hour. I will check my email every hour. But within that hour, I won't be because I have to be able to be focused at work without these things dinging at me all the time that a new email came in. A lot of time, these things, um, not expensive for the employer, right? Not hugely um, thing, you know, but a win-win for everybody. Sometimes uh, checking in three times a week with your supervisor or boss. Where are you? What are you on track? Uh, You know, thing. How have you tackled this new project? So, yes, that's exactly what we wanted. You haven't misinterpreted that. Sometimes work division. So the people with ADHD are not good at the very boring mundane stuff. Other employees may love that, right? So it's having this discussion with a team to say, you know, uh, maybe let's look at how we're dividing the work, right? To see, not that the person with ADHD shouldn't carry their load, that's not it, but what are your strengths? What are your strengths? And how can we divide this, right? Yes. So that, I mean, that chart has got many, many, many different uh, supports. And again, sometimes it's things the person can implement themselves Mm -hmm. sometimes it's things they may have to go to their boss or their hr or whatever to explain it sometimes they have to disclose to get accommodations from hr uh, you know and it may need some medical documentation which is fine but again it the person with adhd may or may not want to share it with their coworkers. But sometimes it helps to explain, I don't mean to be rude when I drift off. I said, and and it's like, oh, if I do, just give me a poke, right? So <laughs> I can, can redirect, you know, this is why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it intentionally. And sometimes that really smooths over the relationship part at work. That's fantastic. Really, really good advice. A lot of uh, really good pieces of advice. And I, I think it's so important for people regardless of ADHD or any any other kind of uh, diagnosis or non-diagnosis, it's so important for workplaces and educational institutions to be aware of the fact that people work and learn very differently. And maybe they have ADHD, maybe they have some other neurodiversity, maybe it's just simply differences in the way people learn and work. And without understanding that and being aware of it, then we cannot set it up so that it's successful for ourselves and for the people around us. So it's such an important thing to be aware of. And as you said, some people are very good at routine work and some people are not. And it's important to understand where we work best and how we work best. So that sounds like a fantastic resource for 
everybody really <laughs> to, to, to consider. But what about relationships? I mean, you talked a little bit about relationships in the workplace, but you also told me before that ADHD can have a really big impact on personal relationships um, and family relationships. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's not really something I think that would first come to mind for someone who's thinking yeah. about ADHD. Very much so. Well, obviously we see it in the parent-child relationship, right? Because, you know, more issues with, with the parenting, more what we call oppositional defiant disorder in kids with ADHD, it kind of comes with the self-regulation. But, but when you start those one-to-one serious relationships, the biggest issue I find is the adult with ADHD not knowing and understanding their ADHD and their partner not knowing and understanding. And it's the misinterpretation Mm -hmm. of all those things their partner is seeing. The misinterpretation is you really don't care about me because Mm -hmm. if you cared about me, you would remember to bring the milk home. You would remember <laughs> to call me that you're going to be late coming home after I've just prepared a big dinner. You'd have more patience with the kids. You would remember to get the bills in on time, right? You would right. pay attention to me when I'm speaking to you, right? Yeah. You would stop making excuses for being late every time we have scheduled something right all of those things are being misinterpreted by the non-adhd person as a person being lazy they don't care enough they're not responsible which also means the non-adhd person ends up with a bigger load right so they have to do more parenting they Mm -hmm. have to make sure the bills are paid they have to organize all the family functions. They feel like they have an additional child, right? And that's very destructive when you end up having a parent-child relationship when you should have a partner-partner relationship, right? Um, So, and uh, I think what is most destructive to these type of relationships is the emotional dysregulation. And having those with ADHD get frustrated, obviously they're going to be challenged. They're mm-hmm. going to be criticized for not getting their stuff, you know, or they just may be overwhelmed. They may come home with a bad day and the wife is saying, well, you forgot to put the garbage out again this morning and they go kaboom, right? Mm-hmm. And the wife is like, oh my God, or the husband can be either way, you know, can be oh my gosh, where did that come from? Or what, you know, and they end up feeling they have to walk on eggshells all the time with their partner, or they're going to have this big emotional outburst when sometimes it can be very destructive and ugly with name calling and all the, because at that point, the person with ADHD has lost it, right? They're just venting. And it's very hard to go through a number of years where that has happened and then say, no, no, I still have warm and fuzzy feelings. <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, again, very destructive for the parent who's not parenting or not parenting well. That also has a lot of emotional fallout on the relationship as well as the parent-child. And mm-hmm. kids with ADHD, let's face it, um, you know, they're not easy to parent. They can be annoying, I know. <laughs> three on my own, right? 
they're not easy relaxing kids right again another stress for the adults right absolutely the home place so again um the first thing adults with adhd need to do as i said is learn about adhd learn about themselves learn about emotional dysregulation start putting in strategies get treatment for your adhd Um, maybe medication which is very beneficial doesn't have to be medication but again it's one of the tools we have things like cognitive behavior therapy mindfulness adhd coaching exercise is a good thing you know having a kind of balanced diet there's no special elimination diets but having a good kind of protein rich diet is good for brain functioning period right mm-hmm. not these highs and lows of not eating and then binging on sugar not good for brain so again a lot of things they can put in place but they've got to know about ADHD have it diagnosed and then uh yeah you know there's there's counseling but if you're gonna go for marriage therapy make 100 sure the therapist you see knows about adhd uh, because otherwise it can be very destructive with just more blaming the adult with adhd well i gave you homework you didn't do it or you didn't yes. check with their adhd needs to be treated yeah, absolutely. And and as you were saying that there's a lot of, it's not a clear path of treatment, is it? There is medication, but what are the different ways of really, uh, if you're at the point that you've been diagnosed as an adult, what are some of the key things that would help? Yeah. So first thing is, you know, having a serious discussion with your medical professional who can let you know all of the options, right? I mean, a lot of people will have questions about medication. There's a lot of misinformation um, out there per se, but with attention regulation, medication is one of the few things we know that works very well. And yes, you can prompt yourself and you can have your your computer or your you know watch ding you every 50 minutes to remind you to get back on task, that kind of thing. But again, it's it's a huge draining effort to try to control, you know, your attention and then, you know, getting on the right um, medication. But all of those things I mentioned, cognitive behavior therapy is actually, yes, learning about ADHD, the negative thought pattern that can come with ADHD, um, learning how it impacts you, changing, you know, your thought pattern has been very beneficial. And research says it's most beneficial when it's used with medication treatment because you have to we have to have that window of attention be to be able to learn right you need to talk about learning still too but um, so i mentioned mindfulness uh, has been beneficial for some people who can do it adhd coaching is interesting because um, it's basically Speaking to somebody who really understands ADHD, but it's more focused on the day to day. So, you know, what is it that what the top three things you keep having trouble with day after day after day? Okay, let's look at that. Why are you having trouble and what can we put in place? Right. What habits can we change? What organization tool can we use? You keep losing your keys. Okay. Can we put a basket on the table in your hall? That's always where the keys go every, you know, so there's simple strategies, but 
a lot of times people with ADHD need that one-on-one, right? Mm -hmm. Other thing that coaching does is it's somebody else for you to be accountable to, right? So you know you're going to have a meeting with that person again in one week or half a week. You're paying them (laughs) per hour. If you don't get done what you said you're going to get done or, you know, you know, basically uh, you're going to be sitting on that Zoom call now with that person and they're going to say, okay, did you get this done? Why didn't you get it done? Why, you know, that's uh, a time frame on it, a timeline on. Exactly. You've got a deadline, you know, somebody else is going to call you on it. Who's also not your significant other. So, so <laughs> removing those emotional yeah, ties with it. That pressure and they don't take it as personally if the coach is saying, what, you didn't do that, you know, um, look, you're not going to make progress or whatever, rather than their, you know, their prep spouse or the person they're in the relationship with, because that can erode it, right? That helps very much workplace accommodations. We also consider um, a treatment if adults are still in a learning environment or have to have a course or something for work, putting in academic accommodations also very, very important for them to be able to learn. What does that, what does that, what are you referring to when you're saying academic? So ADHD very much impairs learning, okay? Mm -hmm. Even though it's not classified as a learning disability, although there is very often those with ADHD can also have some learning disabilities. So we need a full diagnostic profile of this person, right? So obviously, if your attention is going to go in and out during the day, and we say, think about it, uh, you're watching TV and somebody else has got the channel changer and they're flicking from this show to that, you know, that's how to think of somebody's attention, right? The instructor's in front of them, but their brain could be in Hawaii somewhere, right? (laughs) Right. Uh, they're going to have gaps in their learning. They're going to miss instructions. You can't say to somebody with ADHD, you know, open the book, turn to page 32, read, you know, page 32 and 33, and then do questions on page 34, one to 20, but do every other. You're lucky if the person has got the book out and is on the right page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people, people who teach, who do not understand ADHD, will do all the wrong things, right? Yes. It's very difficult for people with ADHD to pay attention to somebody droning on for two hours in front of them, right? Yeah. Uh, things need to be stimulating, the, you know, different platforms, color coding, all of these things educators can use. But also spending that extra few minutes with that person with ADHD to say, okay, did you get the instruction? Explain to me what you think you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Okay, you got it, but you missed this point, which was very important. You have to make sure you do it this way or that, right? That can get them on the right track. And a lot of people with ADHD are impaired in initiating their task. So again, like that chart that we have for the workplace, we have the same charts of how ADHD impairs learning in the elementary environment, the high school environment, and the post-secondary environment, right? Again, it's 
okay, here's a symptom of not being able to pay attention. This is how it will impact you in the post-secondary environment or workplace course or whatever. These are the, the lists of accommodations that can help. And you can use those to go in and speak with, you know, the instructor, whatever. Again, 2015, we wrote a policy paper on understanding ADHD in post-secondary. It outlines what documentation you need, that ADHD is recognized as a disability. Now, the, the difference we see in colleges and universities since we did that is huge. So now all they ask for generally is a doctor's letter or a form, your training physician. They used to ask for psych ed assessments, which are $3,500 to $4,000 a pop, and are very often inaccurate in defining ADHD impairments if you're looking at working memory and that kind of stuff. So again, people need to know with ADHD, they have a right to accommodations in a learning environment, and they need to learn how they learn best, right? Most people with ADHD, uh, you know, uh, I should say most, but some are very tactile, some are very visual, some are, you know, this, right, as a Mm -hmm. learning expert, right? People learn differently. Yes. Those with ADHD learn differently, but then they also have all of these other impairments on top of it. And the interesting thing is, in terms of uh, being an educator, either for young children or adults, if you incorporate all of the ways of helping people with ADHD, dyslexia, neurodiversity, all of those incorporations into the teaching actually help everyone. And really they're just definitions of good teaching. And it's a very important thing to pay attention to because it's true, some people may not require it, but also some people don't require teaching at all because they'll just pick it up from books on their own. But if you do incorporate all of these not just accommodations, but ways of teaching, it's absolutely beneficial for everyone. And that's a really good thing. Exactly. No student ever, uh, it was never bad for a student not to be taught how to chunk work, right? (laughs) How to, you know, if they have a large assignment, chunk it down in time management, things that are essential for, you know, the student with ADHD, but it's also a good thing. So exactly what you say, we always say to teachers that, you know, whatever you put in place for the student with ADHD is not going to be bad for your other students. No. And very often they're minor things, right? There are Mm -hmm. a few minutes here, a few minutes there, set them up with a home buddy. I mean, a homework buddy, you know, have some, another student uh, transition with them to another class. Very often it's not always the teacher who has to stand beside them, but you have to be proactive. Yes. You have to set these things up. And as you say, use these strategies, techniques, the good, you know, teaching tools but be aware that, you know, that student may need a, you know, a little bit of extra time. Mm-hmm. Really great. And absolutely very important. And in terms of the pandemic, I mean, of course, that has had a massive impact on so many aspects on every aspect of life. What did you notice particularly? Did it have any particular impact on those with ADHD and any particular strategies that are specific to this situation? Yeah, so we've seen a lot of our kids struggling with online learning. They find it 
very um it, it's not interactive right it's not they're they're expected to go off a lot and do the assignments on their own which we know doesn't work well they can't chunk it down they can't initiate it staying motivated motivated to do the whole thing um, very very difficult you know for them and paying attention to a screen mm-hmm. uh, again very difficult unless it's very interactive like a computer game right they they don't they lose their focus and attention sitting at a a desk also you know um, paying attention can be a a problem um their routines are totally out of whack right so again not good for kids with adhd there have been some kids with adhd and some adults who have actually said working from home has been a little better. Again, it's the individuality of how this presents. So they've said not being in a room with a whole lot of people has been better. But but then people have said, oh yeah, but I've also got my kids down the hall who are doing homeschooling, which is very distracting, right? So if you're an adult on your own and you can get, you know, you can come home and, you know, total quiet environment is that it might've been good. For other adults with ADHD, uh, the pandemic is worse. Their schedule's gone. Their scaffolding's gone. They can't just pop into their, you know, boss's office and say, oh, you know, I'm working on this. Am I on the right track for this, right? They can't interact with colleagues to, or, you know, so it's been individual, but we've really seen a lot more problems with ADHD um, during COVID for for both of for people who have been undiagnosed and diagnosed. I mean, the one thing is maybe that's good. It has prompted more people to get diagnosed Yes, uh, per se, but then we run into the roadblock about lack of medical professionals to actually do the assessment and diagnosis. Absolutely. And uh, that is a huge problem, but very good reminder that it's important for everybody to read and educate themselves on all of the different Uh, not just how it presents itself, but also all the different strategies on what might be helpful uh, that could be helpful for anyone. I've often said that one of the most important things we should be learning in school and in adulthood is how we learn and to learn about what we should, how we pay attention, how we absorb information, how we work, and what are some good strategies in general, because, because there are so many distractions and so many demands on each of us that it's it's important to understand uh, these different and your website has fantastic resources and I would really encourage everyone to to take a look and and start reading and watching the videos but in addition to to the great resources you've put out there uh, before we end I mean we could talk about this topic forever but it's it's fascinating and there's so much to learn about it but are there some resources that you would recommend for people to read or watch something that inspires you and yeah, so um, I mean, we also have a YouTube channel, right? That has past filmed presentations by world-renowned experts, um, by uh, like uh, Dr. Russell Barkley, Dr. Thomas Brown, Dr. Rosemary Tannock is a world-renowned researcher in ADHD and learning and, and learning disabilities as well. For people also who find it difficult to read text, right? Mm-hmm. Watching uh, that kind of present, there is a reams of webinars on our website. Many uh, freely accessible. Some I think are around ten dollars. Again, that are easy for people to access. We have a series of 
animated childhood video of three to explain ADHD to your child, right? Or to other children. And we also have a five-part uh, video series of adolescents talking about their adolescents and young adults talking about their ADHD. So tons of tools there. Um, yes, I mean, just Google doc Dr. Russell Barkley, world-renowned expert in ADHD, Dr. Thomas E. Brown, again, phenomenal information about ADHD, emotional dysregulation, self-regulating, uh, executive functioning, both have phenomenal information about executive functioning on their websites. I would just caution people if they're going online to be careful because there are a lot of companies selling things, claiming that they can treat ADHD, um, you know, trying to make a lot of money on this. To date, medical research um, has not shown that things like neurofeedback and brain training um, have any long-term effects in ADHD and this stuff can be hugely, hugely expensive. Again, mm -hmm. elimination diets don't work. Supplements, omega-3 uh, has a tiny, tiny bit of research that says for a minimal amount of people, it might be a little bit beneficial, more sort of for reading disorders or um, inattentive ADHD, but again, very, very minimal. But what I say to parents is, hasn't been proven to be harmful. Talk to your doctor about it. Don't expect to take your kids off meds and put them on omega-3 and have anywhere near that kind of impact per se. So again, be careful. Um, there is a lot of sort of false information out there, websites where, you know, that are hosted by people who don't believe in psychiatric disorders, period. So Again, um, careful that what you're Googling, I mean, the Canadian Pediatric Society, the Psychiatric Association, um, uh, you know, any of the big um, health organizations in Canada or the US or will have information about ADHD. It's generally a page or two, a blurb. Um, I would recommend uh, Russ Barkley's stuff and, and uh, Tom Brown's stuff. All right. Well, thank you. That is, uh, you've shared so much wonderful information, insights, and recommendations. And uh, this was just a fascinating conversation. So, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and for being on the podcast. Thank you, Heidi. My pleasure. As you can tell, this is my passion. So, I love talking about it. <laughs> it's really important. Thank you very much. <laughs>